0: episode of in the ballpark the cricket edition that is right we are changing over balls and we are talking all things ashes for the 2021 2022 ashes series here in australia but before we begin our chatter let's introduce the two men who are cricket fanatics would you believe it Fryzy and Maxi, welcome to the summer edition of In the Ballpark. And boy, oh boy, well we, what an incredible Ashes series we have coming up.
1: Oh, Serps, thank you once again for the introduction, gents. Uh, no reason why we can't switch codes and uh, and use our expertise in relation to a different sport. And goodness me, I say it's crept up. Well, there's two days to go. It, I suppose it hasn't in terms of the headlines because they've really hotted up <laughs> the last month or so. Um, particularly considering you go back to what, maybe August, September, there was even doubts that this series would go ahead. So um, the headlines continue to roll, whether it's, of course, the former captain, uh, Perth hosting a test. Goodness knows what else might come up in the next two months um, throughout this series. But, guys, we're, we're almost here. Um, and I look forward to a, a bit of a, a light-hearted, uh, refreshing Chat about uh, something completely different, but uh, no doubt where we can still bring our uh, our bold predictions and expertise to the floor. Good to be back, Gents. Yeah, good to be back, sir. Um, it's
2: kind of crazy. I, when was the last time Australia played a Test match? <laughs> India. We, when I we think it was.
1: India? It was. It was in January, and it was whichever one of those was the last uh, Indian Test. Was, I was that think the Gabba? Yeah, the gap it, was, it was that extraordinary one that they the course that they lost.
2: It was a pretty dark, depressing day. That I remember, certain you gave me a call after that,
0: <laughs> and we, were, we were pretty
2: flat after that. We talked for about an hour, just how depressed we were. So, hope, hopefully, Australia go better this series. But yeah, as far as he's right about all the news and all the headlines that have have been going on in the lead up to this series. That you know, it, was, it wasn't that long ago that Australia won won the T Twenty World Cup, and everything was looking pretty rosy ahead of the ashes. And then you know, all this stuff's gone down. So. It'd be interesting to see how that translates onto the actual field. So, yeah, I can't wait for Wednesday.
0: Yeah, what an incredible amount of time a lot of Australian fans have had to wait to get cricket again in the Whites. It's unbelievable. I mean, there was going to be a South Africa tour, there was even talk of a Bangladesh tour. All of that, with COVID, of course, has been put on hold. But finally, Hopefully, at the Gabba, we will see cricket back in Australia again, and Australia playing Tests. I've got to say that is a long period of time that we've waited for this. I mean, England have played a lot of Test matches since, and they were able to play quite a few Test matches during COVID as well. So you've got to say England are probably, you know, the more informed Test team. However, they have been done over a few times in that period, but. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens, and of course, Tim Payne. What an incredible story that is! And gents, there's just a little air of suspicion that there's that this story has English press all over it. I mean, the timing—it
1: couldn't be more convenient. I think, um, in many ways, that uh, outcome since then, if you like, has probably saved this team from a massive amount of distraction. Um, it, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for the England side and the I say the Barmy Army I know they more or less can't get over here but the ones that do live in Australia I, I know there's there's still quite a few of them getting around um it's going to make it a life a little bit harder for them in terms of banter back and forth about the pain situation when pain himself is not there otherwise they would have been opening themselves up into goodness knows um, the level of distraction on the series i i don't think they could afford that I understand that he was he was still really in the last 12, 18 months with the bat, particularly for, for a guy that's about to turn uh, 37. In, interestingly enough, in two days' time, on the first day of the series, would you believe it, um, six months ago, he probably thought, oh, how good's this? It's going to be my 37th birthday as we open a new series, but um, perhaps not quite what he expected to unfold after that. Do you guys think, though, regardless of how promising his form seemed to be in that India series and perhaps um, even the, the home summer before that. Do you think this change still makes Australia stronger overall? To be fair, I probably haven't watched as much of Kerry in Sheffield Shield
2: as I've seen him in one-day internationals. But whenever you see Kerry playing in one-day internationals and you see him in the big bash, he looks like a pretty good batsman. And I think he hasn't been in the greatest form of late, but overall through his overall Sheffield Shield career he's pretty good with the stick and you can obviously see that in his white ball form so I think this was the obvious transition after after this series anyway they thought this was going to be Tim I I feel agree, thought of fairy tale ending you know he was going to end with an Ashes win at home and unfortunately this came out just before the series started so it's unfortunate for Payne but I think it's forward the inevitable.
0: It's absolutely fast forwarded. Those succession plans as you mentioned Maxi, were going to look like. Pat Cummins seemed like the obvious choice for the captaincy, even though he is a fast bowler and there hasn't been too many fast bowling captains, particularly in Australia let alone in world cricket. So obviously that's going to be a fascinating dynamic between him and the vice captain Steve Smith to see how they work together. Obviously Steve Smith, a lot of IQ in that position. He's going to be really crucial. I know there's probably been a lot of backlash for Steve Smith going back into a leadership position, but it has been quite a long time since the Sandpaper Gate. And you think that Steve Smith, particularly in his last series in England with the bat, you know, that maturity has really came through. And at the end of the day, he didn't seem to be the, the major architect behind what actually happened in South Africa, not to get into the politics of the whole situation, but seems like a pretty logical choice for him to be the vice captain as well. So it seems like from the leadership perspective, Australia has got it right. And, they've, and as you mentioned as well, with Alice Carey coming into the team, he looked like he was going to be the obvious replacement for Tim Payne. So you're right, probably not the circumstances we would have liked, but at least we get a really good look about what the future of Australian Test cricket looks like, hopefully in the next four or five years, and hopefully then some as well.
2: I think you're right on the Steve Smith front. I, it sort of frustrates me because, like, playing cricket, you know, and like you should watch it in international cricket, there are so many teams who have ball tampered, and I suppose the way that they got caught cheating was, you know, it was a very bad look. And I get that, but let's not pretend that they're the only team to have ball tampered. I mean, I remember Faf Duplessis, I think he got banned for that game where he was putting chewing gum yeah. on the ball. So, you know, he made a mistake. It's been, I mean, it's been like three or four years now. He's a better person, better leader, probably a better cricketer as well. he was at that point so he served his time (laughs) he had to go through a pretty big public lashing so i think he's probably the perfect person to be vice captain because he's not gonna have to do all the media and that kind of things and when cummings is bowling he can just take charge of the field you know being a fast bowler especially in australian summers where it's pretty hot as well and cummings is pretty like he's known for bowling pretty good like lengthy spells as well so if he does get tired he can just say steve can you just take it for you know the rest of the session
1: i mean you can't tell us that he wasn't still guiding and directing in some way when he's been out yeah. there, even if, he, even if he'd lost that title. A bit like they were from day one of the ball tampering saga, we know that the extraordinary public outcry and reactions. I mean, to, to a large extent, yes, I get it and, and I agree with it, but I still think it, it, at times it's... Um, a bit overblown. Can I just say that? It's a guy that for the last two Ashes series has essentially averaged uh, the best part of 100 in both, yeah. certainly in the 2019 one. I think 17, 18, a little mm-hmm. bit less. But um, Smith has has handled and, in fact, dominated a lot of these guys already multiple times. I wonder what the mood is in their camp thinking, oh, oh, God, we've got to square up to this guy again and, and he's at home. H- how the hell are we going to remove him?
0: In that final test, I think, at the Oval, Uh, In the 2019 series, for the very first time, they captured Smith, I'm pretty sure, hitting the ball off his hips and they kind of caught him down the league side by putting a fielder out there. Now, I don't know if that's going to be a tactic because, you know, usually Broad, usually Anderson, usually whoever bowlers, as you mentioned, that bowl at 130 and do not deviate. They usually try and bowl pretty straight and pretty full to Smith, and he's just able to clip it off his pads easy and shift around. You know, it's going to be fascinating to see whether they do try that tactic of just being relentless with the short ball, trying to cramp him down that leg side. And it's a plan that I think New Zealand
1: tried, and they executed it pretty well when they came out to Australia. Perhaps one thing they did figure out was how to stop Smith from just excelling in a series. Similar kind of trick, you know, they, they sort of place that strategic leg side field. I guess they had uh, they had the left armer um, in Wagner. Mm-hmm. Wagner just just keep just pounding it in short and you know eventually same sort of tactic paid off. Let's have a look at the Australian
0: eleven that they have selected. They've got David Warner, Marcus Harris opening the batting. Then you've got Marnus. Labashane coming in at three and then you've got Steve Smith at four seems to be the perfect position for him and then they've named Travis Head which we'll talk about in just one moment they've went with Cameron Green at six which they did during the India Summer Series and then of course the wicketkeeper Alex Carey coming in for his first test match and then you've got Mitchell Stark he has been named he has been locked in Pat Cummins, Josh Hazelwood and Nathan Lyon. Gents Discuss what do we think about this lineup?
2: There was the three positions. There was the openest spot, there was the five spot, and then there was a little bit of talk in the lead up about the stark spot. So let's go through each position. Um, who would you have had opening with David Warner? Because this this was the one that I thought Pikovsky, Harris, and obviously Kawaj was in the mix for both of those spots. So unfortunately for us Victorians, Pikovsky is not going to be there, but yeah. Well, Harris is a Victorian himself, isn't he? So um sort of neutralizes
0: that. But are you confident in Harris going into this series? Personally, Maxi, as you mentioned, a couple of those names would have loved to see Pekoski open, but I would have probably went with Usman Kawaja potentially yeah, Travis Head mm. has has now occupied the spot. And a lot of talk coming into this test was that that spot was pretty much Kawaja and Heads to sort of fight for. But I personally would have... Chosen Usman Khawaja And plus Usman In Australia In 2017 2018 He actually did pretty well Against England He didn't Crack through On the ton Probably until that Sydney test But mm. he batted pretty well Throughout that series And looked pretty comfortable yeah. At the end of that series too So you'd say He's got a bit more Experience against England
1: At the five spot Sorry just At, uh,
0: at, at the opening spot actually. Oh,
1: okay I understand the arguments for travis head at five and i I don't have an issue with it at all it's a good range of selections if you're a south australian fan can i just Mm -hmm. um that's true Uh, look kawaj's only chance was to go in that number five spot i suppose the reason why he's not a contender for the opening spot is he hasn't been recently opening for queensland i suppose it might be a big ask to throw him in to open here but look his record as an opener in those handful of tests that he, it, you know, when he's when he's had to do that, his records—it's in the nineties or something. It, yeah, it's something like that. It's it's quite staggering. So I think he still would have been more than capable. But again, I understand why they mightn't have gone that way. I think we can all agree, as you guys said, though. You know, the, the biggest shame, of course, is that uh, a fit Will Pukowski means we're probably not even having this conversation because it, it, it's almost an automatic. Uh, yeah, Marcus Harris. Look at you. Obviously, I wish. the like nothing but the best, and I hope he sees the whole series out, plays five tests. But will it actually happen? I I'm not so sure. Yeah, Burns is out of form. <laughs> I think. We're, do you remember it? what? Um, was it the New
2: Zealand series that Burns got initially slept for? The going into that test series, everyone was just dreading it because his his Sheffield Shield form was just so terrible. I think he scored. I think he got out cheaply in the first innings, and the second innings he chased. We chased a small total, mm-hmm. and he's like fifty not out. So everyone's like, oh, maybe maybe this is the right. turn of the tide. Maybe this is the turn of the tide. But then he went on to have a run of outs and sort of seems like, I don't know if he's probably scored one or 200 since then, but it sort of seems he's never been back to his best. I agree with what Frizi said. I'm not 100% convinced on Harris, but from what I have heard, he went and played in England. So he went and played county cricket and he seemed to have performed well from what I've heard. So... Obviously, that would help him facing the England bowlers with the swinging and seeming ball. And obviously, the conditions here are more favourable for opening batsmen especially. But okay. he's still going to be tested with Robinson, Broad, Anderson, Wood, and whoever else bowls. So, yeah, you can sort of just, you know, like as he said, I wish him the best. But I can just sort of see him that left as a left-hander just nicking off to Anderson and Broad. A fair bit for the
1: slips. And look, as for the number five, again, you know, pretty pretty happy for Travis Head. I mean the usual arguments are, you know, oh, but you know, he gets all these starts, he gets in and in and then he gets out and whatnot. I, I don't disagree with that, but I think, you know, the guy's still made a, a reasonably strong start to test cricket. I think that, that average so far is still still over 40 quite nicely. So I, I think he's comfortable enough at the level. And maybe when it came down to the the head and kawaja decision, um I, I feel like they could have gone either way. Look, I don't know what effect this had, but did did it perhaps sway them to think? Well, given where they're at in terms of their careers, you think? Well, Head's probably got five or six at least strong years left. Kawaja, perhaps one or two at max. It's funny you think Osmond Kawaja's thirty four years old, and that I that that surprised me a little bit when I when I read that. I, I didn't quite uh, realise, but it's amazing how that seems to fly past so quickly. I say fly past as well because the guy is a is a fully Qualified uh, pilot. I'll, I'll stop right <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the spot that I would have picked Kuhadrip because I think he's been batting for
2: um, Queensland at number four, if I'm right. So, yeah, like as there's the generic Travis Head arguments that he gets starts and he doesn't finish them. But I'm just ne- I've never been sold on Travis Head's technique. He's just very very loose outside off stump, especially the England bowlers. I know it doesn't. You know, we'll say this hundred times throughout this series, but it doesn't swing as much here in Australia. But you know, I can just I can picture Travis Head nicking off to Broaden Anderson Mm. through the slips, just the same Mm. as I had, um, as I can for Marcus Harris. So this is the position that I probably would have, um, had
0: It Sounds like Travis Head he gets a little bit ahead of himself in in his his building, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And you can say the battle between him and Kawaja came to a head.
1: Anyway. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. I'll give but you that.
0: Clearly, he's very headstrong, Price. If you Don't have any questions or queries over Cameron Green's position. You think he made a pretty good impression.
2: I think he had that one score where he's like, he just started smacking the ball. I think he scored like 80-something. Um And from there, he sort of seemed to gain confidence. I don't think he took a wicket, which is a bit of a worry, but I think he's had a lot more bowling practice in recent times in Sheffieldshire because I think he had some sort of back issue or something. So going into that Indian series, I don't think he'd have as much bowling behind him as he would have liked. So I'm hoping to see some improvement in his bowling. But Australian cricket seems to get very, very excited when an all-rounder comes through. Like when Shane Watson first came through, there was all that excitement. So... I think they just look at this guy and thinking, geez, this bloke's a 12- to 15-year cricketer in our test team, so mm-hmm. let's let's just leave him there
1: at six. Let's do it now, yeah. yeah.
0: What a great opportunity for him. And let's talk about the Mitchell Starc position. Gents obviously went for a lot, a lot of runs in the World Cup, but thankfully the batting sort of you know, cemented over those cracks. Uh, any doubt over him? And would you think selectors would have been so brave to pick uh, Jai Richardson as the incumbent? I think
2: the interesting thing with Stark is that he is a lock for the Adelaide test because he's the pink ball specialist and it's hard to just bring him in straight for Adelaide if he's not going to play the Gabba. So my thought, if I was selected, I'd think, look, um, he's the incumbent. So to pick him, to pick Richardson, sorry, over Stark, you'd be dropping Stark. So I'll just say let's just bite the bullet and pick Stark for Brisbane and he's definitely going to play in Adelaide and hopefully he'll, he'll clean up England under lights and from there we'll just see how it goes because I think with, um, it looks like Perth's going to miss their test match, so there's a bit of conjecture on whether or not um, Melbourne might have a second test under lights or whether or not that goes to Tassie. So potentially there could be two pink ball tests, which, you know, you'd lock Mitchell Stark in for that, but I'd say Mitchell Stark will definitely play the um, opening two test matches and from there we'll see how he goes. But I'm expecting to see Jai Richardson play at least one
1: or two test matches in this series. I was just gonna say exactly the same thing. I think we'll see the, the bowling lineup change at some point during the series, you know, maybe more than once, depending. But, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that they're going to give Stark the first run at it.
0: When you describe it like that, Maxie, it definitely sounds like they're trying to get him primed for the Adelaide test where, fingers crossed, that ball will be swinging in our favour, Not hopefully not in Jimmy Anderson's favour. That is, of course, if Jimmy Anderson
1: is still mm. on the park by that test. Yeah, he bowled, we he bowled well there. with the pink last time, boys. He took. I know they lost that test, but he took five last time in Adelaide. So the England squad has been
0: named. So opening the batting, I've got Rory Burns as a lock. Seems to be a pretty decent Ashes specialist from what we've seen from him so far. Of course, he hasn't had a tour out in Australia, and he doesn't seem to handle the short ball too well. The second opening batsman is a bit of a mystery, but I've got Haseeb Hamid in there. He's done a little bit of damage, but I personally think he's not going to handle the Australian conditions too well, and he'll get bounced out pretty easily, but... Interested to hear what you gents think about that opening pair.
2: So I have how many locks? One, two, three, four, five, six locks. So I've got Burns as a lock. Got Milan at three as a lock. Got Root at four as a lock. Stokes at either five or six as a lock. Butler at seven as a lock. And then Broad and Anderson as locks, but... I think Anderson will be somewhat managed. I think that second opening position will be either Hamid or Zach Crawley. To be honest, either of them. I think the
1: Australians will probably be looking forward to bowling at each of them. Here's a name for you, though. You mentioned that. The last time they were here, of course, they had a very ageing... Well, I say ageing. He wasn't really that old, but he was... Towards the point end of his career, um, in Alistair Cook on his, I think, fourth visit to Australia, Sir Alistair. That's right. I I, I should have uh, included that. How how negligent of me, really. Uh, particularly having you know, such great respect for the for the man. His partner in that series, um, as you might recall, was a. A guy named Mark Stoneman, who I don't yes. think played much Test after that series. Stoneman. I think he he might have picked up a fifty or two, but it didn't really worry the Australians too much. So I I had a feeling after that series we wouldn't be seeing him again. For for mine, the only real doubt in that that top seven at the moment was whether that five or six position ends up being a, a Johnny Bairstow or an Ollie Pope. I think that's that that might be one of those ones we don't find out till Wednesday morning. To be honest, um. And the bowl as well. Maybe they go for the four quicks. I'm not too sure. I know they've got Jack Leach in there for Brisbane. I no, don't don't know. I suppose when you when you factor in Stokes, it's almost four and a half or, or five quicks. Really, do they go with Leach or do they just you know they back all of their
2: quicks and just have Root bowl you know ten overs of spin. On it. I think Root's got Steve Smith out a few times, albeit on. Whenever he gets Steve Smith out, it usually it's he's scored like 200 or 100 yeah. runs. I'm yeah. <laughs> he's right. It's either Pope or Besto. And Besto did score 100 last time he was out here, but I don't think yeah. he did too much apart from that.
0: Yeah, and there is another option there as well, Maxi, Potentially Dan Lawrence, he does hold the bat pretty well and he can also throw the arm over quite a bit to have that sort of oh, a yeah.
1: spin option if they don't go and select Leach. As exciting as it is and not to take anything away, I think just about any fan would prefer to see both one Joffre Archer and Will Bukowski in this series, but certainly not sold on that that England batting unit
0: and it'll be very fascinating to see gentlemen whether Javo gets into that 12th man position and whether he ventures out to australia yes he technically does play for india but we'll have to wait and see whether Javo gets a
1: guernsey in the ashes boys i heard he's I, I believe the latest update is he's just got to do his 14 days but for the adelaide Test, <laughs> he's a lock he's in
0: let's get on to our series predictions we will play this back in a couple of months time and we will see how accurate or how inaccurate we were with our series prediction let's begin with the series score and what team wins the ashes for 2021 2022
1: normally i'd, I'd look at the the score line and mm, factor in a draw or two and it's they seem to be a lot rarer in Australia. You don't seem to get many ashes of drawers. I know it has happened. It happened last time in, in Melbourne, but um, normally it needs rain to play a part for that to happen, I feel like. I- I'm going to go at the moment Australia 3-1. I don't believe Australia are, are terribly settled either. They're, they're rather more relying perhaps on a handful of individuals. Um, still not sold that this unit will just sweep 4 or 5-0. I-, I do wonder, though, as well, what... I know they've played a lot more test cricket than Australia, but in terms of very recent preparation since they've got here, I mean, they've they've only been allowed out for, for one or two days. I'm just mindful of what effect that could have too. And my prediction is actually quite similar to yours, mate.
0: I think it is either going to be 3-1 Australia. I think England are good enough to win a test here. I can see them winning more tests, as you mentioned, but I think Australia will be too good. They are much closer squads than what a lot of people think, but I think Australia will be too strong. I could potentially see it going 4-0, like what what happened in 2017-2018, but I'm also going to be like you, Frizi. I'm going to stick with 3-1 as well. Maxi?
2: So my general thought on this series is that the most pressure is on England's top three, mm. especially because yeah. I think you've got to remember Australia hold the Ashes, so England are effectively sort of half a game behind already. So they had kind of have to be more aggressive. And the way that they won 2010-11 was having, like, really big scores. I think Ooh, so yeah. Cook had that huge summer... But you also got to remember they had Trot, Ian Bell,
1: Kevin Peterson. Mm. I think even Price scored big runs that series. So they did, they did. They like, all chipped in at times. And Cook was—it was always like Cook was like the rock, and then everyone else had their turn as well. Yeah, yeah like the only way I see England winning,
2: <laughs> and I don't see them winning, by the way. But the only way I can see them winning is getting out with a draw, the Gabba Test, and I think their best chance of winning any Test matches is with the pink ball in Australia. So. And then going to what is probably, in my opinion, their best shot at winning a test match in Australia is in Adelaide mm-hmm. with the pink ball. I think that's their only shot. And those top three have to make runs. Because if those top three, if England are two down, you know, 10 overs, 15 overs in Brute and Stokes and Best or Pope are facing a somewhat new ball, then I don't think England are going to stand a chance.
0: 3-0, I like it, Maxie. Good predictions there, all-round gentlemen. Now the leading run scorer of
1: the series, Friese. I know he's never scored a century in Australia and he's got a whole bunch of half centuries. I'm actually going for Joe Root. I just think the last 18 months or so, I know none of that's been in Australia, of course, but his form has been quite sublime, even though the more recent since, you know, the, the turn of 2021, he's just seems to be up a gear, if that was even possible um, beforehand. Really think... You know, he knows um not just as skipper, but how important his role is as the rock in that side. Huge, if not, you know, even greater responsibility rests with Root this time. So at this early stage, that's that's where my my money is.
0: My prediction here is believe it or not, Marnus Labershane. I think he got a really good taste of Ashes cricket. And if anything, that concussion to Steve Smith in the twenty nineteen Ashes series has made Marnus the player that he is today. Yeah literally sleeps in the same bed with steve smith and he just loves emulating everything that steve smith does that weird quirkiness that he brings to the crease that animated no it seems to be working for Manus, and i think Manus is set for a massive series and that first test at the Gabba as well his home turf I think he's really going to relish the opportunity and if Steve Smith doesn't fire and England get their plans right to him I think Marnus isn't going to be shy he's going to go big in this series the Smith
2: and Labashane one is interesting because I think if you remember I think it was the New Zealand series where Smith was coming in a lot later I think there's always been that discussion should Smith be batting at three in Australia and four away from Australia so I like your pick of Labashane but I'm Going to go with the obvious answer because sometimes that's the right answer. And I think what Friese said before, earlier in the episode, was Steve Smith's dominated all of these English bowlers except for Ollie Robbins, who I don't think he's played against before. So Steve Smith's one of the Ashes greats already, given that he's dominated all of these bowlers before. And in in Australian conditions, I think Steve Smith's the obvious answer.
0: Now, let's pick the leading wicket-taker of the series, and there are a lot of good ones, including the new Australian captain, Pat Cummins, who had an amazing... 2019 Ashes series and must be said a pretty decent 2017-18 series where prior to that didn't play a lot of test match cricket at all well my pick for this one is Josh Hazelwood I think he he loves when the ball's swinging and there are going to be a couple of tests under the lights with the pink ball and I think Josh Hazelwood is really going to come out and I actually think as well against uh, Joe Rudy, actually does seem to bowl pretty well. So I think he will take a couple of those higher end scalps.
1: I like it. And I'm going to second that, I think. Australian conditions, there's a pink ball test, um, performances against some of these English bats in the past. Yeah, it, it, there's several options here that I think would be solid picks. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you for that. Patty Cummins and I'll make... I'll make a prediction that he's going to get Rory Burns caught behind at
2: least three times in the series.
1: Frazee, what are you picking for the man of the series? If Hazelwood is in fact the man to claim the most wickets in a side that wins as comprehensively as that, then, then yeah, he's he's my choice here.
0: I'm going to say Steve Smith. He's going to be the man of the series as well. And I think he's actually going to throw his arm around a few times and he might get a few wickets as well in some funny conditions. Being the vice captain, he might just have a say in that. So be interesting to see whether he does that or whether he lets Marnus bowl a couple of overs. But I think Steve Smith will capture the eyes. I reckon despite Marnus probably being the leading run scorer, I'm going to predict Steve Smith in one innings to score a double ton and I think that's going to get him over the line.
2: Obvious answers, just Steve Smith.
0: The best Barmy Army or the Aussie Army chant. Oh, pain! what a pain. Send us pics of your bulging dick. There you
1: go. I like something of that. I've given it no thought, but something along the lines of how Jimmy and Brody are going to cause you boys so much pain. Something like that. I don't know. Hopefully they're a little bit more creative than just the Tim Payne stuff, as as I'm sure they, they will be, as they usually are. I don't have any specific ones,
2: but I definitely think they'll be... Tim Payne related. <laughs> um, and also, obviously, Warner and Smith are going to be taunted pretty heavily as well. So I'm looking forward to um, seeing what the Barmy Army has to offer. Um, be interesting to see how how many there are and English people who already live in Australia, and to see if there are any at all who are, who have travelled.
0: I just love seeing them get sunburnt in those conditions. It's uh, very very comical. Now, gentlemen, do we quickly have a bold prediction for this series? I am going to say Jimmy Anderson is. Gonna rip another hamstring. I I just <coughs> have a bad feeling that he's gonna be running in maybe second or third over, and it's just gonna go pop. And Brian Taylor is gonna somehow sneak into the studio and go, and the hamstrings went bang. <laughs>
1: Brian, Brian, string is gone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the string is gone. <laughs> That's it.
1: Well, if you, it's funny you say. I mean, poor in the last Ashes series, poor England still managed to win two tests there, and poor Jimmy bobbed four overs for the whole series in ed, at Edgbaston, and he wasn't seen mm-hmm. after that. Now that I'm going to say it, it's probably not going to happen, and it's going to be so so far from reality. But I'm going to say, when it rains, it pours, and I hope it quite literally speaking doesn't. I, I'm, I'm going to say, in England, go one up at the Gabba. I know the series prediction; I had three one. So obviously, if that was to play out, things would get pretty ugly for them after that. But yes, it's it's bold and perhaps it's stupid. But I, now that it's out there, I've I've got to stick with it. I'm going to tip Kerry to make a hundred.
2: Um, in his debut season. And obviously, as I said before, Jai Richardson will play at least two Test matches.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like that.
0: Quickly, let's speak about some of our favourite Ashes memories. Of course, we have seen quite compelling series in our lifetimes. Gentlemen, are there any particular moments that stand out to you?
1: God, we're blessed to have seen in, in, you know, 24, 25 years, some of the series that we have. Hard to go past. Well, both 05 and, of course, 2019, Probably wasn't quite as good, but T what, it went close in terms of matching it as a series. Some of the individual brilliance, uh, you know, whether it's Stokes, whether it's Smith, um, that series is one that you'll never forget. Of course, 2005, probably one of the arguably the best series of all time. Can you imagine how different that might have been slightly if a few things had gone one way or another, particularly if uh, DRS was around then, not that it matters because I know it wasn't thought of at the time, but just imagine. But look, so many other things. I mean, you Warns 700th wicket to, uh, which was basically a week after we, we saw Adam Gilchrist hit a, hit a 57 ball. I think it was century in Perth. Speaking of Perth, it was quite entertaining seeing George Bailey take take 28 off that Jimmy <laughs> Anderson over with it with a whole lot of sixes. Not, not bad for playing just your... Yeah, your third test at the time that whole series really 13 14 um johnson and i'm not going to leave out brad Haddon either his his performances Mm. um the series that they both dominated but look 10 11 10 11 was actually a great series i thought from a viewing perspective as well not so good for australian fans i mean to lose three tests all by an innings but it was a largely unexpected and pretty remarkable series nonetheless i thought and uh Seeing how how those uh, that that England top seven that we spoke of before, how they were able to just grind Australia into the dirt was was incredible.
0: The notorious Graham Spawn Sprinkler as well. Gee, that was a, a sight that we thankfully have never seen since that series as well. Maxie, what moments stand out to you? Frizi's mentioned some bloody good ones. Any particular <laughs> stand out to you? Frizi's gone down the list. He's mentioned all.
1: <laughs> I <already laughs> <did>. I, <yeah. laughs>
0: I probably took them all. That's my
1: that's bad. <laughs>
2: no, no, no. Um, I suppose Frizi mentioned 2005. I actually didn't watch 2005 because 2006-7 was actually the series that to be honest, it was the first cricket that I ever watched. I wasn't really interested in cricket until the 2006-7 series, which is where I sort of fell in love with it. Obviously, some of the moments that stand out to me in that 2006-7 series are obviously Gilchrist's hundred, Warnie's 700, and also do you remember when Hayden and Roy Simons put on that partnership at the MCG, where I think Australia were either four or five down really early, and yeah. it was looking like geez, England are actually a chance here. And um, right. that was right. Andrew that was Andrew Simon's first Test hundred. And from there, he sort of got going, and he scored a few more hundreds. But yeah, that was that was the first Test series that I ever watched, and that's sort of what made me fall in love with cricket. So that's definitely my favourite series. Yeah,
0: what a brilliant series! And Maxi, believe it or not, we were back in year three when that was happening, and I remember. Our I remember Mr O'Keefe letting us watch it. Yes, he put it up on the white. He put it up on the whiteboard, and I just remember I blinked when Steve Harmison bowled the very first delivery, and. Everyone's reaction was nuts. And I'm like, wait a minute. He bowled the ball and it's a second what or third I? slip. They must have nicked it. But then I watched the replay and it was one of the worst deliveries I think I've ever seen. And that was really telling of the rest of the series, that one. And of course, in that series, Maxi, amazing Adelaide where Australia came from the clouds. Shane mm. Warren was amazing with the ball. Yeah. And then Mike Hussey. Right hitting the winning runs. I think, who who was in commentary? Bill Laurie. Oh, the Seagulls. They're swooping the Australians. And Mike Hussey hitting those winning runs. That was amazing. And, of course, Mitch Johnson in 2013-14, after all those painful series in England, seeing us reclaim the ashes and seeing all the damage that he did, particularly at the Adelaide Oval, where he got 7 for 40. That was a very enjoying series. And, Mm, of course, doing the big stare, but, gentlemen, what an incredible show this was to be able to recap some of our favourite memories from the Ashes and, of course, preview a massive Ashes series. Gentlemen, thank you again. And it's going to be an amazing summer of cricket. It's
2: be beauty, ship, Can't wait for Wednesday. Looking forward to
1: it. What up, boys? Get ready. Great work.
0: First ball, the first test match.
1: Whoa, wide delivery, taken a slip by the skipper. The nerves are showing already.